All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to Sportsbook Radio from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas, brought to you by Station Casinos and the mighty STN app. That's Mark Hayes at the controls. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. A, a couple things, Mark. I, I didn't know in all the years, and we just were talking about this, and all the years that I've known you, I didn't know that you played for UNLV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. UNLV football, and that just came two up years. yesterday on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah, two years. A lot of people don't know, Dana. A lot of people that I interact with, I mean, you know, my plan days – or my plan days, but I don't really, you know, get into it and tell people what I did at UNLV or what I did after. But, no, I was uh, two years. Um, had but a you... great career up at UNLV. Yeah. Um, got won some uh, big awards. I was actually. You uh, won awards? Yeah, I was. Uh, Mark, I, got the I should have had you on the show a long time ago. <laughs> I got the uh, SB hit of the year in 97. Yeah, if you Google Hawaii UNLV 97, I I was uh, at award. Oh. I got a plaque. I don't. I gave it to my grandmother, but I, I got a plaque. Completely remember that. SB hit of the year. I <laughs> never put two and two together. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, after they find out, they like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But yes. It was uh, you know, when you've been playing, when you when you played so long ago, you. You know, every now and then people bring it up, but I don't. Well, really the main problem is when I put two and two together, I usually come up with four. So that's uh, always <laughs> what I'm trying to d- deal with. But I, it was a great time. Yeah, great and then times. you went to uh, Toronto and yeah. you played in the AFL in, in Albany, New York. And yeah, I mean, you, I, I had no idea that this was your. I had a good experience. It was, it was really good. I mean, I got to travel, got to meet a lot of people, and you know. Um, and then I had my daughter, and I was like, "All right, <laughs> we got to change gears on a career." Yeah, so. yeah. But you did. But you went and bounced around for five years after that. Five years, yeah. Got a chance to play in a couple of different leagues for about five years. Made a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, of course, never got the big contract that I was looking for. Um, so you know, it was like I said, I had a great experience. Only thing about football is I, you know, I watched uh, a lot of people that um, didn't have as much talent get an opportunity to play in the national football league they're not playing now but you know still giving that a fair opportunity i had a couple of friends that you know didn't even care about football but was very very athletic Mm -hmm. and played four or five years in the national football league and you know it's just you know it it was just timing a lot of it was just timing but i pursued it for was it also position too i mean what position i play strong safety yeah 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 obviously because you you know major mark in hawaii i think i still hold the unlv record i had 22 tackles against your smu (laughs) that's uh, can i just tell you something mark i don't need my strong safety with 22 tackles well i mean at all i had yeah we played a different style of defense did you give up 180 points that game (laughs) yeah it was actually a close game it wasn't a like a blowout or anything but I, I, we played i played up at the line a lot i was like an undersized linebacker. oh okay so i played i was like an undersized linebacker i played like a rover 
where you know, oh, but isn't that great? Twenty-two tackles in one game is in a block uh, fumble recovery. That's that's a, that's a pretty good game. <laughs> that's nice because so of course if you're playing up against the line of, at the line of scrimmage, yeah, oh, I, I, I mean, it. I love to I, not people. to say anything about the history of UNLV secondary, but you're leaving you're yeah. leaving that secondary one on one now. They they had a they were a lot of work. They didn't enjoy it, but you know it it was funny because a lot of. I had a lot better stats than a few of the players that actually got an opportunity. And I'll, I just – to this day, I wondered. I was like, when the scouts came in and look at film, I, even some of the scouts was like, wow, Mark, you, you really popped out on film. And then they drafted the, another guy that, that didn't really pop pop out. So, on every scout I talked to, it was like, you you were, you were popped out. We, we noticed you, but, you know, never got to that – Point where I wanted to, but well, you certainly pop fun. out here at KSHP. <laughs> I stood out a little bit, but you know, but um, but let's get the show going. I yep. mean, we, we're 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 40, 48 hours, and uh, you know, like I said, we want to make sure we get as much. Uh, I know a lot of people you want to get on and interview, and uh, I know we got some things we want to talk with Brian. I know uh, Steve will be here on Friday. Yes, and, Steve, uh, I may Steve even come in. in. I may even come in. Yeah, and please. Share some I mean, stories everybody. <laughs> be fantastic. I mean, that's kind of the way. I mean, we started this thing off with a big uh, show about Brian. I want to end it about Brian, and yep. that's you know that's that's the way I want this thing to go out. Um, I told you when I walked in today. I said, you know, it's becoming more of a more of a reality on a daily basis, and it's very difficult to um, you know think in three days. You know, this is going to be. That's going to be it. So now I got <laughs> have to fill my time. Thankfully, I, I've had a few phone calls, so we'll, we'll cross our fingers and see what happens with that. But um, well, our show rundown today, Mark Lawrence will join us here in a couple of minutes, and we'll do our college football uh, preview, conference preview. And today we're going to focus on the MAC. Why are we going to focus on the MAC? Well, because uh, Buffalo is in the MAC, and of course that was the school that Brian Blessing had followed. You know, he followed Penn State. I mean, it, it seemed like he was following who was ever winning but certainly buffalo was near and dear to his heart and we'll t- well that's why we'll get to the mac today with mark lawrence and of course matt Nevert from unlv and the aviators will join us in the second hour we'll bleed sportsbook radio over into the second hour a little bit and talk baseball and then chuck esposito who is good enough to join us on vacation uh he'll be joining us for the last time uh on you know between him and i and our little segment on the week and uh, he's uh, somewhere. We'll find out exactly where he is from Stations Casino. And, and before we bring Mark on, um, I wanted to tell you, Mark Hayes, our esteemed producer, last night or yesterday afternoon, I went to go see the movie Nope. Okay. Have you seen this yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, made $49 million last weekend. Budget was $66 million. It is arguably one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Is that the one, uh, Jordan Peele? It is. Yeah, it's a Jordan Peele The guy that did Us and Candyman. Get Out. 2021, he did Candyman. I I still, to me, a lot of TV work, too. Um, There were some aspects of it that I thought were interesting. Yeah. I I thought it was very interesting how they used the, and I won't give it away, nothing really to give away, but (laughs) how they used the the blow-ups to kind of uh, tell them when uh, this uh, unidentified flying object was coming. That was kind of interesting, but... It was very slow, very methodical. There was four actors in the whole movie. I mean, main actors in the whole movie. And I don't know. I just thought there there could have been a little bit more. Yeah. 
And I, so I was a little disappointed. Was your expectations high for the movie? No, no. When no. you walked in? No. You know, sometimes you go into a movie and you're like, oh, no, yeah, no, this no. Is, they, they did last movie. They did the great. And then mm-hmm. you get the movie and you're like, oh, my. So, but I haven't, I've heard one other person other than uh, than you um, say that um, I think they were just kind of a Jordan Peele fan. So they said it oh, was okay. Yeah, yeah. They said it was okay. It wasn't as good as his other movies, but it was okay. See, if you're a fan and you're saying it's just okay, then there's some issues you know, there there's a so, problem with it but you it was very slow i i did see there was parts of it that could have been better and i thought uh, there was things that didn't fit uh of course it got a 70 percent approval rating on uh on, on one of these i don't know websites or whatever and uh and then on uh rotten tomatoes got 82 percent. so that's you think okay well 70 percent. well that's that's not good yeah. Uh, so you want to be in that 80, 90 range, really in a 90 range, but 70% is a lot of people. Cowboys versus like aliens. That's that, that would that throws me off the whole movie. I, I, it's, it's <laughs> unless it's a football team for Cowboys versus aliens. I, I'm not a big alien fan. I'm not, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not a big Jordan Peele fan. So, um, I like those types of movies. I just didn't think, I just didn't think it was very well done. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of a flying saucer. I like, the idea of the the havoc that I could wreak, but I, I didn't think the actors matched what was actually happening. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but when you're, you know, you have a you're raining down blood on a house, and the reaction is next to nothing. It's just it doesn't fit what exactly is happening. Yeah, well, you're not the first to say it. I'm just kind of reading through the Wall Street Journal's reviews, and a lot of uh, lot of disappointment in that yeah. in the movie. How it was produced and they send probably one of his worst movies dry um I, and i don't know if it's gonna it'll probably crawl over that 66 and it 49 million in the first weekend yes yes because but a lot put, of angry people you put together a good trailer and that's what it's gonna do it's it's like an album sales and music it's not what you do in the first week it's what you do in the second week because once the first week people go out and tell everybody what they think of it then you're going to see down. a major drop off slow down week in sales for sure. like you wouldn't re- if if i was to say hey i'm going to see this movie you would tell me what Oh, I would tell you to go see Thor. <laughs> I would tell you to go see... I mean, you know, you're going to get what you get with Thor. But I did, surprisingly. And, <laughs> you know, say what you want. I'm at an age where I don't care. I did go see Where the Crawdads Sing, which was uh, a national, you know, New York Times bestseller for months and months and months. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was entertaining. I thought, you know, there wasn't any expectation of it. I thought maybe there would be a little che- a little cheese to it. I thought it was fine. Uh, but, of course, my favorite movie this year has always been is Top Gun. Top Gun. Uh, it's, Top yeah. Gun it was fantastic. It's uh, done extremely well around the world. Ninth highest grossing movie of the year. Uh, or, I'm sorry, of all time at this point. And so that, that movie, to me, blows it away. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, let's get to our first thumbs guest. Thumbs down. Thumbs uh, down. Let's uh, see. Yeah, thumbs Maybe Mark, uh, he has some of his opinion on uh, the movie. I, I don't think Mark gets very many movies. Let's bring in our first guest, Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com. Mark, uh, uh, do you get to the movie theater very much, or is it more of those, uh, you know, we'll wait till it gets to, to Netflix and then maybe catch it once in a while? Well, my perfect segue answer to your question is nope. I do not get to very many movies, okay? I'm a big net. Flixer and love to sit 
in my lazy chair and watch Netflix movies. So that's sort of where I'm engrossed. And in fact, when I read reviews anymore, if it's at the movie theater, I just skip past it and look for something that Netflix is going to be offering up new. It's interesting, Mark, isn't it? I mean, doing what we do. And uh, years ago, I, I was listening to somebody on the air and something I've always struggled with, and I'm sure you have too, or maybe you've come to grips with it, is finding time to let your mind go. And I don't mean let it go into another sport. I mean, just let it go for a second, relax, and press the reset button. And I heard somebody on the air a few years ago just say, you know what, Friday nights, that's what I do. On Friday nights, I let it go. And I kind of took that and adopted that. And that's that's worked for me because it allows me to you know, spend time with the family and, and do the things they want to do and then, you know, wake up bright and early Saturday morning and get at it again. I totally get that because I was a big, big time movie fan and like you, love to go to the movies and, you know, would create ratings and, you know, likes and dislikes and everything like that. In fact, I look, we look forward to going to the movies, having our popcorn and, uh, you know, watching all the previews and things like that. It was a time to get away. I do it now when I'm watching Netflix. I'm sitting here on on my couch or on my lazy boy and watching what I'm watching. And if I get if I get uh, meandering away from it any what at all, uh, there I am on my phone checking Twitter. So you know I'm not really getting yes. away in, yes. that, in that sense. You know that is absolutely huge. And I, and I'm so thankful for day baseball today because I can get some of it out of the way before you know the wife expects the full attention. Um, but yeah, that's one thing you have to you also have to deal with is putting the phone down and you know i'm lucky my family's very good about hey look you're spending time with us yet once in a while you got to check the scores uh just to see how you do but uh, that is it's a constant balancing act and, and then you also and one thing in this industry and we'll get to the mac the mac conference in a, in a second but one thing is mark you also have to focus on taking care of yourself because this industry requires you to be in front of the television a lot, in front of the computer a lot, and that means sitting. And I think that's one aspect of our our industry that nobody ever talks about. Well, that's a huge aspect. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to being successful at handicapping, you have to be as physically sharp as you are mentally sharp. And in doing just that, I make it a focus. You know, I, I walk every day. I swim every day. Uh, or every day that the weather allows. And it, to me, those are the starting points to the day because when you do those, the endorphins go up, you feel good, and you feel like attacking what it is you're doing. If you don't, you feel semi-consciously guilty for not doing things like that, mm-hmm. and it becomes defeatist. So you're 100% right. You have to be physically sound in your approach when it comes to handicapping. Yeah, my endorphins at this point are just looking down at the ground uh, like they're in a Nirvana <laughs> video, and uh, it's very 1990s with my uh, endorphins at this point okay mark let's get into it i think for uh just a couple questions before i get into into the mac i think for unlv and i don't know how far in depth that you've had a chance to look at this but the season win totals are are coming out and it's around three and a half four they've had one winning season since 2013 is four and eight a reasonable expectation and with that i'm looking at two and six inside the conference well, you know, like you said, if you weigh what the total is today as opposed to what they've been able to attain, is it a reasonable expectation? My answer to that is no. They've won two games in a Royal in two seasons. Uh, yeah, they do have some quality of returning starters coming back, but they're going to have to do things that they haven't done in a while. 
and that's you know double up their win totals. And I just don't see it happening with this football team. Now the schedule may you know may bode well for them that way. A lot, a lot of soft opponents there, but. Uh, until they prove it to me, you look at the end of their schedule, Dana. I mean, you look at the, the last six teams they play. Yes. All all six of them either were bowlers or could have been bowlers. So if they're going to get it done, they have to start good early. Absolutely. And, and Mark, when you're UNLV, and I know we like to talk about soft opponents, but they're you know probably those opponents are looking at UNLV as their soft opponent as well. And I think those two games against or the games against Fresno are are, are going to be definitive. Uh, difference makers between them having a decent season or getting over that three and a half, four mark and, and not. Uh, you figure they will beat Idaho State. You hope that they will beat North Texas. Uh, New Mexico, San Jose State, which I think is a key game in week six. Uh, Hawaii, they should ha- be in that game at, even though it's at Hawaii. I mean, those, they have opportunities here. And I've said it a thousand times, Mark, until this fan base, which is our city, starts to look at this team with with not giving them the apathy year after year after year. It's okay. No problem. It's not okay anymore. You must go out and start winning football games because that's what our city's about now. They absolutely have to do that. Uh, you know, it's like we just mentioned, it's the third year for Arroyo. Uh, you know, another one or two win season is just not going to cut it. They have to win fans over here. And, you know, will it be this year? Could be, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. All right, let's get into the Mid-American Conference. This was Brian's uh, conference that he loved to talk about. Of course, he was a fan of the uh, Bulls of Buffalo, so I thought we'd end on this uh one thing you can definitely count on mark in this conference is parody track record to tell you that northern illinois is probably not going to win this conference again because they did last year yeah it's just very very difficult to repeat in the mac conference uh it's a little bit uh you, you can maybe weigh it out against the nfc east in the national football league where you just don't find repeat champions and it just doesn't happen in the mac conference as well uh, the last time there was a repeat champion was Northern Illinois, and you got to go all the way back to 2012 when it last happened. Uh, so, you know, that bugaboo is, works against them here this year, and I think this conference is wide open uh, this football season just the same. There, there are some conferences, Mark, where I feel like people don't really understand how good the rivalries are inside the conference. Would you say that this conference is definitely one of those? I think it is for sure. Uh, you know, there, it's all geographically based. This conference uh, up around the, the Great Lakes states, uh, you know, for the most part, and they do form their own conferences or, or their own rivalry games. The Battle of I-75. You got Toledo and Bowling Green neighbors. Akron and Kent State. They're only 15 miles apart. That's the wagon wheel rivalry. So they're all, like I say, geographically based. And uh, it's nice to see that uh, I just love to see this continue with the MAC Conference. I don't want to see what happened what happened in the Pac-12 and those rivalries go away yes. to have that happen in the MAC Conference as well. Uh, but what happens uh, What happens to these these teams when they – I mean, they're an automatic, almost an automatic go, go against when it gets to bowl season. Yeah, it, it is, and either either Dana, you can attribute that to the fact that uh, the level of opposition they play is really, really low. Two, they're ecstatic about being where they're at, and you know, giddy to the point where they're not focused. Uh, but simply put, they just don't perform well. You go back and you look at them; uh, they've won 24 of the last 77 bowl games 
uh, going back to 2008. And if they're in a competitive game, a dog of three or less, they're just five and 15 to the number. They're sort of what you would call near automatic fades when it gets to be bowl season time. All right, let's start in the East with Akron. Uh, you think, and I'm sure many think, that they've probably had one of the best coaching hires in the offseason. Yeah, what an upgrade that was to bring Joe Moorhead into this program here. I think a lot of eyes opened when it happened. Uh, a former head coach at Mississippi State, he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State and at Oregon. He's going to help this football program, and it'll probably start on the recruiting level. The good thing about this year is he he does pick up a lot of returning starters in his initial year, 17 of them coming back. Uh, I have to like this team this year for no other reason than the fact that they've got a head coach that they can look up to and respect. I think this team can get over that two-and-a-half win total. And you think when they go to Tennessee, Mark, I mean, obviously they're going to be getting a bunch of points, but you think that's a good spot uh, for the Zips who's going to do that early. It is. you know, And what it becomes for uh, for a Tennessee football program, you know, out of the Southeast Conference, this is a, most definitely – a letdown, looking down at the opposition type of like a football game. And what does Tennessee have on deck? Florida. The Florida Gators on deck after that, then LSU, then Alabama. So I think it's a real nice spot for Akron to slip into and out of Tennessee with a point spread cover. How, much, how many points do you anticipate them getting in that game? Well, a lot's going to depend upon how they do against Michigan State the game before. Uh, you know, then they better beat St. Francis. But, uh, you know, they could be looking upwards of four touchdowns in that football game or you might even crack the 30-point level. It just depends yeah. upon how the season opens with that team. Yeah, 33 is the number that goes off in my head. Uh, yep. Marco, going on to Bowling Green, what, what happened to this program? Um, it was so good a few years back. I mean, they took their their lumps last season, but you know, perhaps that's going to pay off now. Well, what happens is sometimes when you meet with success, it ends up costing you in the end because you end up losing coaches because of it. Uh, in this case, it was Dave Clawson, uh, you know, who's moved on to much bigger, better things. They lose him. They bring Dino Babers in, and uh, couldn't quite cut the mustard with Dino Babers. Did a nice job, nice enough to the point where he got a job at Syracuse. But then now, look what they've done. Mike Jinks, Scott Leffler, uh, they're just not the answers to this football program here. Now, they're going to have a ton, I mean a ton, of returning experience coming back this football season here. This is a good opportunity for this program to uh, rewrite itself. Uh, they they went from zero wins in 2020 to four four victories last year. So with all this returning experience coming back, and we, we bring out this point, over 47% of the starts last year were made by underclassmen, which means they're fortified with a lot of returning experience here. They could be a football program. I think they could be a moneymaker this year. And I would love to get Brian Blessing's opinion on this, but let's talk about the Bulls. Uh, is this a team that's going to bounce back after a losing season? Or are they still a few, a few years away? Of course, their coaching staff was completely gutted or uh, big names were taken. They're a terrific ATS team in the second of back-to-back home games. Uh, is What do you expect from the Bulls this season? You know, I, I talked with Brian about this when, uh, when when Lance Leopold left the program, and you know there was a lot of big expectations, and rightfully so, for the, the, the masterful work that he did with Buffalo. But what really befuddled me was the fact that uh, everybody was looking at Buffalo like like they weren't going to bounce, 
and it was practically impossible not to. Uh, not only did they lose Leopold, they lose the coaching staff. They lost a lot of the key players in the football program. And what do they do? They go four and eight, and they cover just two, two, two of those games to the spread. So, you know, will they come back? Uh, there probably will be a return to the norm for this football program here. But, you know, it was sure nice in the older days when Lance Leopold was, uh, was leading them there that way. I think they can get over their season win total this year. Uh, five and a half wins, it would be six. It would put them in a bowl game, but uh, they're going to have to improve. Uh, and it, Unfortunately, last year, they just bottomed out to end the season here. They went 0-4 straight up into the number, so they're not coming back with a lot of momentum. And how do you treat teams, just a general question, how do you treat teams that are you know, gutted, their whole coaching staff is, has left? And, I mean, we're talking about the mid-level uh, conferences. Uh, but, I mean, how do you treat them? Because unlike the NFL, I think – that's a big that's a big hill to climb for for kids that committed to another coaching staff that are you know might have part of their head thinking about transferring i mean that from a handicapping standpoint i mean how do you wrap your head around what a program has to go through when the coaching staff has changed well, for openers, if you're a coach and you're recruiting, you win the players over by letting them know there's a lot of vacancies and you can't have playing time. You can start immediately. Buffalo did a real nice job in the offseason. Uh, as far as recruiting goes, they ranked 81st in the country, and that was after ranking 100th or worse in all the previous four seasons before that. So, you know, he has brought some good talent in here, Maurice Lindquist has, and there are probably going to be signs of improvement here uh, because of the, uh, the fact that these players feel that they're going to get their playing time. So, you know, there's benefits to that. Obviously, there's the negatives, but that would be an upside benefit when it comes to recruiting. But from a handicapping, just overall standpoint, do you tend to, at least until you see it actually work on the field, do you tend to stay away from teams or go against teams that that are ha- that have an overhaul as far as their coaching staff? I do, and in, in, in the first thing that I'll do, Dana, is look at uh, at the stats and how the teams are performing. You know, if they're if they're being completely dominated on the field and not winning games, you know, the scoreboard's one thing, but the stats are another. And you can better gauge a team by the stats than you can the scoreboard. So if you see that they're being competitive, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a perception about that team that uh, they have been gutted, they will be no good, and you might want to fade them. Well, that was my feeling when Leopold left the football program. And right out of the gate for this team last year, their first six games of the season, they only outyarded one opponent. That was Wagner in their first game of the season. So that told me all I needed to know about Buffalo last football season. They were nowhere near in my playlist at any time during the course of the year. Yeah, and especially if you get a coach in that's kind of, you know, cutting his teeth as a head coach, a brand new head coach. I mean, there's a lot of things that are second nature to veteran coaches and now. Uh, you know, brand new head coaches are, are when they're on that sideline. And we, I, I think, of course, I come to think about Marcus Freeman and I think, wow, his, you know, he's not just letting it happen and letting his ability to take over. He's, he's thinking a lot about what he's doing. And I, I kind of take that train of thought and apply it to handicapping when there's brand new head coaches that go to, uh, you know, mid-major teams that, everybody's trying to figure out the new system, including the staff. So that's a good, for me at least, that's a good go-against spot. I agree. And as far as Marcus Freeman is concerned here this year, obviously Notre Dame was enamored with him as a person and as a coach. He's a terrific recruiter, so he checks a lot of boxes for Notre Dame that way. The only thing he misses here is obviously the experience and what it is that Brian Kelly left behind for this football program here for him to build on. I think he's going to end up uh, with a little bit of a disappointing type football season here this year. 
because it's very, very hard to fill the big, big shoes that Brian Kelly left at Notre Dame. Yeah, I feel the same way about it, Mark. I, I, I love and not to get off on Notre Dame, but uh, we won't get a chance to talk about them. But it's, I just, I feel all the hype, and he's a great person, and I love everything I've seen from him so far. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys. And then all of a sudden you, you talk about or you look at all these recruiting services and they talk about how great Notre Dame's recruiting has been and it has been in the past. And But then you think, oh, wow, they're really on a, on a par right now to actually compete for a national title uh, or at least be in that Final Four. And then you look at the opening number in week one and they're 14, 15-point dogs to Ohio State. That, to me, it slapped me right in the face and said, okay, they're still a ways away. Well, it tells you uh, just about everything you need to know about their prognosis this football season here. And you want to put them into the college football playoff picture. You know that they're going to be at Ohio State to begin the season. They're going to be at Southern Cal to end the season. They have to host Clemson. Uh, they have to take on a, what's going to be a vastly improved Brigham Young football team uh, in Vegas. Uh, I, I think they got a real tough schedule, a daunting schedule to have to get all this accomplished with as well. And like I say, I think the bottom line here is I think they're going to fall short of their season win total. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, let's get back into it. Uh, Kent State, terrific quarterback in Dustin Crum, but unfortunately he's in Kansas City right now um, with the Chiefs. The flashes, just to me, I'm looking up and down that roster. There's just a lack of experience, and even in a mediocre conference, I, I just find it very difficult to see anything but a below average season for them. I do, too. And, you know, they posted a five-win total to begin the football season here, and uh, immediately I can make a case or start making cases to look under that number here. Dustin Crum was a heck of a quarterback, and, uh, you know, if he doesn't make an NFL roster, I think he'll be at least, at very least, a practice squad quarterback. Uh, he was that talented and that good. So that's a big, big hole for them to have to fill. And then you take a look at, uh, my goodness, uh, last year, how many seniors made starts for this football team? 192 of the 308 starts were made by seniors that means there's a big hole coming back here on top of that with the biggest hole here obviously being Dustin Crum uh, I just think it's to be real real difficult for this team I realize they were a seven win bowl team last year but the odds makers know what they're doing when they slapped a five win uh, over under total on Kent State this year and I think they'll really really struggle to get to those five wins and for Miami of Ohio pretty good bounce back year under Chuck Martin would you agree that he's one of the best coaches that is not talked about at all most definitely flies under the radar and he's done a, tr a really really nice job with this program here he's been there eight years uh, you know i don't think people realize that and, and when he took over the football program they were winless the, uh, i think they went 0 and 11 or 0 and 12 uh the program that he inherited so he had a long long road to hoe and i think he's done a real real nice job doing just that this is a team that's been bowl eligible for the last three of the last four football seasons here and always in the mix, if you will. And you take a look at uh, what he's got coming back this football season here. He's got some experience coming back here as well. I think they're a real sleeper team in the MAC conference this year, if for no other reason, as you mentioned here, because of Chuck Martin. And for Ohio, the Bobcats, they're a team that needs to find a way to win close games. Can't seem to ever pull out those close games. It looks like we're going to have a Rourke under center again. I mean, what's your prognosis for the Bobcats? Well, you know, it, I go back to the Frank Solich days, and you know what a nice job he did for that football program. I'm a little bit biased because I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and Frank Solich was from Cleveland, Ohio. He was a five foot. 
10 or maybe 9 or 10 running back to his first team running back for the state of Ohio. That's how good Frank Slowitz was as an athlete. And he, he made his mark at Nebraska, and he ended up coming to Ohio U and put them back on the map, that program. Health-wise, he, unfortunately, he had to step down, and now this football program I don't think is anywhere close to what it was in the Frank Solich days. They've won just five games in the last two football seasons here. Uh, I think it could be another long year for Ohio U this football season. Here, They've got five-and-a-half wins for the season win total. I don't know where those are going to come from either. You know, I keep shooting holes at some of these MAC teams here, and it's like, well, if you're going to shoot holes at everybody, that means somebody else is going to have to pick up these wins and where they're going to come from. Well, I think the majority of them are going to come out of the West Division. I was going to say, so who wins Who wins an East, that, uh, an Eastern part of the MAC that is pretty mediocre, really? Uh, mediocre, I think at best it is, and uh, you know I'm going to say I wouldn't be surprised if Miami, Ohio does just that and steals uh, steals this conference, do you this th- division. Do you think it's better? And I I understand why they why they do it, but uh, some of these conferences are just going back to being one big conference. Do you, do you like the split up in the divisions? I like the division split up, so I think they create more rivalry situations. And, you know, when you get into a 16-team conference where there are no divisions, it's uh, it's a little like playing Monopoly. you got to go around the board, and, you know, it depends upon what pothole or, you know, what where you're going to land. Are you going to land in jail? Are you going to land in boardwalk or, uh, you know, a, a good block? I, I, I like the divisions. I really do. I think, uh, and also, there's a, there's a carrot or a caveat out there for them to play. For you win your division, you can make it to the title game. Uh, we're talking to Mark Lawrence, of course, from PlaybookSports.com. Uh, before we move to the West, how, how's the magazine doing? I, I've seen a lot of people talk about it. And again, I, I've told you this a thousand times. I love it. I think it's the best magazine out there just because your ability to keep records inside the, in, inside the book. Well, thank you, Dean. I appreciate the kind words. And the magazine is going real well this season here. They're flying off the shelves. Our friends at the Gamblers Book Club have already reordered. Uh, they're going to probably have record sales this year. It's really, really nice. It's our 30th anniversary edition of it. And uh, I hope that we'll have enough of them to satisfy people that want to order from us before the football season starts. Anybody listening who can't get out to order it and you want to order it, just check it out at playbooksports.com. And we'll, we'll uh, you place your order, and we'll send it out to you by way of priority mail. Uh, fantastic. Okay, let's move to the West Ball State. Losing season last year, but uh, they still found a way to get to the bowl game because that's uh, what 2021 brings, and there's a million bowl games and almost not enough teams to fill it. But uh, losing season, bowl bound, uh, what do you think uh, it's their prognosis for this year? Well, like you said, uh, a losing season last year, that sort of sets the table for this year because uh, the team had tasted success uh, in the past. And, you know, with that success and you have a losing season, albeit a bowl season, but they still end up with a losing mark. Uh, This is a football program here I think that's going to probably be mid-rung inside this division here, this particular division, if for no other reason. They don't bring a lot of production back. They don't bring a lot of starters back. And there are other teams inside this division that will do just that. Uh, they happen to also have been, and this is the big bugaboo to me, uh, the worst team in the nation last year. And when they were out yarded in 12 of their 13 football games, uh, that means they were pushed around the field mightily. And I do not like football teams like that. They're going to have a long way to go to prove to me that I want to make a case for Ball State this football season. And how do you like teams that are 500, which they were at the time? I mean, 
How do you like teams that are 500 making it to a bowl game? Or is there just way too many? Which I don't think on our our side of the counter we would ever say there's too many games. But I, you know, the bowl game to me should be something that is rewarding because you had a good year. Well, it's arguable to say you had a good year. It was a good year, yes, because they made a bowl game. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is, uh, they were a, a team that went in the bowl game and had outyarded only one opponent in doing just that. That was really, really smoke and mirrors for this football team last year. It caught up with them in the bowl game last year. They were plastered. Uh, I think it was 51-20 to 20 against Georgia State. And I think more is in the offing for this team this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on to uh, Central Michigan. The Chippewas, they they have to do nothing more than just pick right up where they left off. Yeah, that's a nice... A nice way to begin the football season here. Jim McElwain's done a real, real nice job since his day he came over at Florida. Unfortunately, I'd read the other day where he had suffered, uh, uh, I don't know if he, he passed out is what it was. I don't want to say he had a stroke. He passed out, and there he's, he's like under doctor's watch right now. Uh, they're hoping that he's going to be 100% healthy, and I am too, uh, because he's meant a lot to this football program here. And he's done it all because of the recruiting wars and what he's done. Uh, He's done a real, real nice job. His name goes a long, long way towards helping bring talent into the football program here. And, you know, last year, uh, Toledo was the football team that that played more underclassmen than anybody else. Well, last year it happened to be Central Michigan that did just that. There you go. That's a team that played a lot of young kids last year. They met with a lot of success. They had nine wins. They won a bowl game last year. They're going to be a team to beat inside this division here this year, and I'm only hoping Jim McElwain is on the sidelines to do just that. Yeah, of course, it was announced on Sunday that he had a seizure, uh, and they seizure. said he's going to be in the hospital for a few days. He had a missed media day, which may or may not have upset him, but uh, uh, it looks like he's going to be okay and moving forward. Okay, for Eastern Michigan, uh, if there's a coach in the MAC who is on the hot seat, it certainly is Chris Creighton. Yeah, and he's one of my favorite coaches going way back back when, uh, whenever Brian and I would talk, you know, it was always, uh, well, what, you know, what good things you're going to say about Chris Creighton this year? Well, <laughs> I happen to like him as a hire uh, when they hired him because this football program was absolute dregs. Uh, they had won four games in the previous two years combined, and he's put them back to relevance here as well, coming off a bowl season last year. Uh, recruiting has slipped a little bit for this team that way so far. But uh, it's also a football team this year that I think uh, is going to have to do a better job this year than they did last year. Uh, He had last year, took them a lot of different firsts, you know, uh, setting school records and doing things and so forth and whatnot. That's really hard to to emulate the following football season here. And he, he was also, Eastern Michigan, the first coach, who has defeated all 11 other MAC opponents. So, you know, he knows how to win football games. I'm a big, big Chris Creighton fan in some way, somehow. I think he'll find his football team in a bowl game this year. Six and a half wins for a season win total, and I think that number is right on the money. So do you think it's a little unfair when I when I say he's on the hot seat? Uh, I don't think he is, personally. Yeah. Uh, 
only because, uh, you know, if you throw out the COVID season of 2020, when they well, they played just six games, he's been bowling in uh, all three of the other previous seasons. And there's nothing, I don't think there's any cause for concern that other than a, a dismal one or two win season to do just that. But, uh, you know, maybe they get tired of hearing the same voice in the locker room and who knows what who makes what decisions here. But I would say Chris Creighton is pretty well firmly set at Eastern Michigan. Okay, well, this is in the NHL, Mark, so they, they don't fire people for their voice in, <laughs> in college football. Uh, Northern Illinois, the Huskies are probably in a good spot. They have 18 starters back. They bit the bullet uh, in 2020. Is their outlook better this year? Well, you have to like this football team this year. Uh, it's a team that uh, you mentioned 18 starters are back. They rank real high in returning production as well, largely because of a lot of that. Uh, you know, this, and Tom, Tom Hammock has done a real nice job with the program here, too. You can throw out the 2020 season when he didn't win a game, but that was that weird uh, COVID season. They come back and win nine football games last year. And the the, the the thing that is most concerning to me, and I I added this to our football preview for our show here today because I didn't wasn't aware of it at the time we went to print with the magazine. But if you take a look at their offense and their defense here, they've been diametrically opposed opposites each and every year under Thomas Hammock. The offense has gotten better each and every year incrementally, and the defense has gotten worse each and every year incrementally. That's going to have to stop. And You, know, you can't play yo-yo football like that. And at some point there's an imbalance that you have to overcome. Uh, the truth of the matter is uh, – Every year that he's been there, they've been out yarded. They've allowed more yards than they've gained on the football season here. So, you know, will they be able to match last year? No, they won't. They had nine wins last year. Their season win total is six and a half. I think he'll be thrilled to have his football team in a bowl game this year. And for Toledo, three things you can count on is death, taxes, and the Rockets being in a bowl game. Yep, they're you know they they were last year they were the football team that uh, was really really highly lauded lauded and uh, rightfully so because they were the number one team in the country in returning production last year by Bill Conley from ESPN and did they underperform? I would say yes, they did. They only had only seven wins. You still seven wins was enough to get you to a bowl game. So it's not totally disappointing in that sense, but they didn't live up to all the returning experience that they had last football season here. Now you're coming into a, a, a season here where what he's going to have to do is do a better job in close call football games. And that hadn't been Toledo's mantra in the past. You know, they were sort of famous for stepping on you, you know, being, uh, being child beaters, if you will. They would rub things in. And he hasn't had it that way here a lot of late here. I think he's got the ability to do something close to that again this football season, though. The seat's getting a little warmer on Jason Candles Fanny here right now. And they're expecting more because it's Toledo. As you mentioned, Toledo, a bowl game and so forth and whatnot. But uh, they had to win their final three games of the season last year to make that bowl bid last year. So they just barely eked in in that sense. And I think he will be, Jason Candle will be one of the coaches in the league that will be on the hot seat this year. And finally in the West for the Broncos of Western Michigan, uh, I mean, Tim Lester's done a fantastic job in Kalamazoo, but uh, he's going to have to dig a little bit deeper into his uh, co- coaching bag of tricks this year to keep that bowl, bowl uh, uh, streak alive, I guess. 
Yeah, he will. Uh, you know, it's five seasons, five teams all bowl eligible. You know, he's done a nice job that way. But, you know, now you have to deal with the cards that you're dealt for this particular football season here. And he doesn't bring a lot of experience. He doesn't bring a lot of starters back this football season here as well. He's sort of bare naked in that sense. That's never a good start, especially for uh, a conference that uh, is known for returning production. Uh, I think they're going to struggle a little bit this year. Lester's done a real nice job. I don't remember the last time uh, this football team either wasn't in a bowl or wasn't bowl eligible under Lester. Maybe perhaps his first football season here, but he's done a real, real nice job. But they're going to have to scratch and claw for everything they've got this football season here. I don't think they win the division, but I think they'll be very, very close to being a bowl team this year. And then finally in the West, uh, who comes out the champion? Well, you know, like I said before, the other East division I wasn't all that thrilled with, and this division here, you know, is, is there a stick out? I think you got you got to look long and hard at uh, Central Michigan this football season here. Uh, you know, the Jim McElwain effect, what we talked about a little bit earlier. I think he's a, a couple of rungs above everybody else. Toledo's going to have to kick their their game up a notch to be able to be competitive with him. And, you know, whether or not Eastern Michigan can sneak up on some football teams remains to be seen. But uh, I would say Jim McElwain gets the job done this football season. And uh, with that being said, I would assume you would go with Central Michigan as the uh, winner of the MAC conference. I would see the, I would see them being the MAC champion this football season, unless obviously something happens where somebody comes uh, like carry back the racehorse that finished out of the clouds, and somebody does something different that way in the MAC this year. But uh, I would say yes, that would that would be my side. To the equation. Well, we got through it, Mark. I, I have time, thankfully, to, to get your thoughts on the NHL. And, of course, your uh, season ticket holder for the Florida Panthers. What did you think about the moves that they made? And, you know, giving up a Jonathan Huberto, I, I, you know, who's at one point I would expect his number to be retired at, 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 you know, from the Raptors there. But what did you think of that trade overall? And for me, uh, just my opinion, I think they've – become that that seasoning that I thought that they needed and, and they struggled against the Capitals last year they were an empty netter away from being down 3-1 they got past that uh, just were not competitive against Tampa Bay but that seasoning that playoff experience that I think all teams need to be successful uh, I think they've taken another step forward in accomplishing that you know, I was a little bit surprised or stunned when it happened, but now that I've had time to digest this whole thing and you know, read both sides of the equation here, I completely understand what Bill Zito did. It's his feeling that he's a generational talent that only comes along once every so often, and when you have the opportunity to do that, you have to find a way to do just that, and it was sacrificing Huberdeau and Weger, who I think was a little bit overrated anyway. But you still have to, you know, you have to give up quality to get quality. And what he brings to the Florida Panthers is an edginess to them that this, this uh, hockey team desperately needed here. Uh, they were, you know, they, they were pushed around in the playoffs, and with uh, Kachuk on the on the ice here, it's not going to happen this year. And the most important thing is he wanted to be here. He wants to be here. He's only 24 years old. And he's got a, a nucleus, a really good, really good young nucleus around him. He's excited as all get out here. And they asked him, I was reading this morning, about what his favorite thing about being in South Florida here is since he's come over from the trade. He says, just look down at my feet. I can wear flip-flops. <laughs> I can yeah. wear flip-flops, you know. Well, so, What's interesting about that, Mark, is, you know, obviously they have a lack of first-round draft picks in the upcoming years, but, you know, like you brought up, that nucleus, which is 
guys that are 22, 23, 24, right in that range. I mean, that that to me supersedes having draft picks uh, or worrying about you know being part of the draft. I, I think you have your core of guys that will take you right through that period of time where you don't have first-rounders. That's a great point. And in fact, you know, one of the things that hit me was, oh boy, they don't have any draft picks here for until 2026 or something like that, first round picks. But uh, the, the the nucleus, the young core that they have, like you say, it, it, that's the defining matter, uh, edge of the situation here. Uh, he he. Uh, Kachuk is saying he's more concerned about building this this hockey team for the future here because he knows it's a, there's a, the good possibility that there's a good long future for this hockey program here. He he absolutely admires Andrew Barkov. Uh, you know, he in fact everybody's saying that Kachuk should probably be the captain, but he insists it should still be Barkov, uh, who he thinks is tremendously talented. And uh, so I think. The bottom line here is you're going to see a, a hockey team on the ice next year with a whole lot more edge to them, and uh, I think it's going to only help the team. I think, bottom line, Bill Zito made another masterful move, which he's done since he's taken over the the program. And in golf with Sergei Bobrovsky, are, are you still – I mean, obviously he's a two-time Vezina winner, two-time All-Star. I mean, he's a terrific goaltender, but, uh, you know, like Freddie Anderson, he's always has this – cloud hanging over him about the postseason but but i always say hey look it, you know the the colorado Aver- avalanche proved if you have a goaltenders in, a, in that 90 percent 91 percent range i mean you can win a stanley cup with a team that possesses the puck the majority of the time uh, i i just think he's a guy that you know obviously people talk about what he's done in the postseason but i think you can win with him he's only one guy on the ice and then sometimes you know just like in pitching when one guy gets the win or the loss for their performance and nobody else does, I don't think it's always fair to blame him for every uh, every failure in the postseason. He's a terrific goaltender. Uh, I think Florida is on their way uh, maybe go to go deep in the postseason, not to win a cup maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm very – now, granted, I mean, you know as well as I how, how much Huberto was loved there. Uh, that will be a big loss. But they have depth, and I think they have terrific goaltending, and I think this team's going to make a lot of noise next year. You know, I think uh, when Huberto disappeared in the last two series as well, I, yes. I think also made up his mind, you know, that we, you know, we, we can't afford to have that, not from one of our two best players on the ice. So uh, it ends up being Huberto will do well. Uh, but I think Kachuk will do much better down here, and he's going to become a real fan favorite, which is going to be really important because they got a little bit of rabid fans here last year, as they did in Vegas the year you know the Knights made it to the finals. Uh, the same thing with Florida last year, winning the uh, the President's uh, was it the President's Trophy? Yes. Uh, yes, and so can they do that again? You know, that's a big, big. Uh, you know, a big weight on their shoulder this hockey season. But I know one thing, they're going to be extremely confident when they take the ice this year. And how much, and it's interesting how one thing affects something else, but, you know, and of course Tom Wilson not playing, I think he would, he played three minutes, uh, something like that against, uh, against Florida in the, in the playoffs and, and how close they were to actually getting knocked out without Tom Wilson. It's funny because I was, I always thought, what an interesting dynamic that Tom Wilson gets hurt, and that really ups the ante as far as Florida putting uh, putting the Capitals away early. Uh, they struggled with the Capitals even without Tom Wilson, and I think his injury 
really played a part in the the thinking uh, by Bill Zito to say, hey, look, we're we're just not close here. Yeah, they were like you said, they were very very nearly exposed in that Capital Series. Uh, you know, they went four games to two, but it was a real. Uh, uh, Real tough four four wins to have to pick up with them, but you know they, the series could have well gone seven, and who knows what happens if it goes seven. So, uh, was I surprised that they got swept by Tampa Bay? Yes, swept. Yes, but lose to lose, no. Tampa Bay was the much better seasoned, experienced hockey team, and that's the one thing the Florida Panthers lacked in the playoffs last year. Uh, Mark, uh, we I, I can't thank you enough for coming on every Wednesday. You you have. Uh, always brought tremendous in- information. We appreciate your your books being sent to us, and um, can't can't thank you enough. I, I am thankful that you know through it all, we we found an opportunity to continue to work together. Uh, but thank you so much, and and I know Brian has meant a lot to him, and I knew it not it meant a lot to him when you were on his show, uh, and and it has for me as well. So I wish you nothing but the best, and uh, let's see if we can do something else in another arena. I would look, really look forward to that, Dane. I look forward to uh, chatting with you on a weekly basis. Uh, when, next time you're behind a microphone, and we can always do it in honor of Brian Blessing, and that would be a real, real treat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Uh, tell everybody where they can get your playbook. Everything available online at playbooksports.com, on sale at books, Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, and the Gamblers Book Club in Las Vegas. Get your copy now because they're going to sell out. There he goes, Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com. That does it for Sportsbook Radio. When we come back, uh, we will have Matt Neverett from UNLV and the Aviators join us. We're done talking hockey, or we won't talk hockey with him, but I do have a couple of hockey questions. And, uh, of course, uh, we've got a couple shows to go, so I'm just going to have people on that <laughs> we'll talk about different things. But, but we will throw hockey in there a little bit. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're on the air, it's hockey night tonight Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app Mark Davis at the Mark Davis. Mark Davis. You, what, what, I mean, what is wrong with me sometimes? Oh, oh, no, it's okay. You can call me him. I, I wish mean, I had his bank is, account. What goes on? What did I call? Are you were thinking about with the Raiders. I, I was, but something I must be com- talking. To, some Raider talk is coming. No, no, <laughs> Mark. It just our aces. Th- these sort of things just spew out of my. Raiders my did brain. start camp this week. Would they talk to? Uh, I know, it's a hockey show. <laughs> That's it okay. Matter. It's Vegas local sports. We got the Raiders. We got the Knights. Aces. So Mark Davis is not a bad person to get compared to. No, yesterday I <laughs> announced that Artie, Artie Lang was on the show, which is completely not happening. <laughs> Some of these days, I don't know. Anyway, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us from the Brian Blessing Studio. Uh, this is a time of year where, you know, from a hockey standpoint, everything starts to slow down. We did mention yesterday that Jesse Pearly per, yeah, Pearly RV signed a one-year deal with the Oilers. It gives them some depth, but it's not a 100% guarantee that he's going to be staying in Edmonton. I think he's definitely a guy that you know, might be moved. It's only a one-year deal, so... Uh, he could be one of those trade deadline 
uh, you know, send-offs to, you know, the bolts of their chances uh, for the postseason. Uh, also, Vegas Golden Knights, they announced yesterday they're going to hold a youth hockey clinic on Wednesday, July 27th, 9.30 a.m. at the Veterans Memorial Community Center at 101 North Pavilion Drive. I had to look up. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking ice, right? And I had to look up where the Veterans Memorial Community Center was. And it's, you know, it's the reason I had to look that up is because it does not have ice. So that's, this apparently is going to be a clinic on the floor. So that's how this clinic is going to be uh, run. And of course, the, the Golden Knights have released the dates of their annual road trip, which is, uh, hasn't happened in two years and, it, and it's a cool little road trip and they bring some players and, and staff and uh, they're going to start on the 15th of august they'll go through south lake tahoe and then they'll go into california missoula montana boise and salt lake city and of course boise and salt lake city is where the knights are going to play two exhibition games so that's going to roll on out of here and that's you know that's cool i mean i'm, I'm they love doing that i mean they they've done it for uh, obviously it would have happened every year if it wasn't for the pandemic but uh, they uh, I, I know when we see video that comes back from that little uh, that little you know trip that they take we see video of the kids that are just uh, really loving the fact that they have NHL players there and, and, and staff and it's really a whole you know a golden night's day for these kids and you know, it's it's nice because you go into areas like Missoula Montana and you go into uh, into in Reno and in Tahoe. I mean, these are places where, you know, I mean, kids don't really get touched by the game of by the sport of hockey, and the Golden Knights are good enough to get on a bus and bring it to them. So that's going to happen. Uh, that's going to start off on the 15th. Okay, let's bring a longtime friend of the show, the man behind the mic for UNLV baseball, and of course the Aviators, Mr. Matt Neverett joins us. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Dana, doing well. Good to be back on with you guys. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I was thinking today... Well, let me ask one question first, and this is something I saw on your social media. It was right up my alley, and I wanted to get into a discussion about this because sometimes I think people like it when you ask about other things other than the the main thing thing that they're involved in. In your opinion, Matt, what is the greatest movie of all time? Oh, I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> See, that's a tough one. It's a, it's a divisive question. I don't, you know, my favorite is the the, the Dark Knight with with Heath Ledger. I know that's the one that you're re- referring to yes. from my Twitter. As far as greatest movie of all time, that opens up a whole other I mean, that's your uh, whole other conversation. That that's my favorite. It, I think it is one of the greatest movies, both for the uh, you know the action, the, the psychological part of it. But I know I've always been partial to Goodfellas. I love Tarantino as well. Oh, so Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, Pulp, Pulp Fiction is is also one of my favorites. I think that's up there. Um, I, I think that uh, it really depends on what your your opinion of a great movie is. And little little known fact about me, fun fact is that I was actually a, a film studies minor in college, so I'm definitely a uh, cinephile. Uh, little known fact that you might not know: Did you know that uh, that Batman movie that you consider your favorite is the twelfth highest grossing movie in the country of Iceland? Hey, that's I know I've, I've always loved Iceland, and now I just like it even a bit more. And of course, it's the 14th highest grossing movie of all time uh, here in the United States. Uh, we all we talked to your dad yesterday. Uh, of course, if, for those that don't know, your dad is Tim Dever, who is the longtime voice of the Las Vegas Thunder in the 51s and the, um, the and the Stars. 
we remember his great hockey calls. Did hockey, and I don't know if we have ever talked about this, did hockey ever rub off at you at some point, or, or have you always been a baseball guy? You know, I've always loved hockey. Um, you know, when growing up out here, he was with the Thunder, he was with the Wranglers, fill in the blank, pretty much any minor league team that came into town at that at that time in the late 90s, that was you know right up his alley. He was involved, so I was always going to the rink. I was always hanging out. He'd pull me out of school sometimes. Uh, much to the, the the chagrin of my mother to go go to open skate or go skate around, and I I, I played decently competitively up until uh, probably about the age of ten, and it came to be you know baseball and hockey were in the same season in the spring out here, and I think I did I did one season of both, and my parents said we're not a taxi service, you pick one, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll help you stick with it. So they so you basically chose the the, the least expensive sport. <laughs> More or less, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was some uh, some pushing from my uh, parents on that one. Uh, I'm sure if you ever brought up the <laughs> fact that you wanted to be a goaltender, I'm sure your dad said, eh, "No, I, I know how <laughs> exactly. expensive that is." Okay, you guys are doing something that I I saw also on your social media page that, that I thought was really cool, and I don't know if it's ever been done before. Uh, it's a, there's a you do a little wrap up video. You talked about the recent home stand with the with the aviators. It's called the catch. You can find it on YouTube. Where did that idea come from? And I, I know you've done what six or seven episodes. And how often do you do those? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. The, the, the catch at Las Vegas Ballpark, the little YouTube show that we started um, on the Aviators YouTube page, just kind of wrapping up. We do them after every home stand. Um, if it's a, a six-game home stand like we've got coming up here at the beginning of August, we'll play the six games against Reno, and then we'll have it posted the next day on the Monday off day. But uh, it actually started uh, myself and our director of production, Gary Arlitz, who's been a really big help with that. Um, during the, the 2020 season, that was not. It was I had just been brought out here, and we were trying to find ways to kind of engage uh, different ways media-wise. And we had this idea to do a show. We called it The, the Catch, and we uh, you know have some fun with some, some bad puns in there as well. But it actually started out because there was no season to recap here at the minor league level as a just, you know, major league. Here's what's going on as we got into the, the shortened, or the, I guess the end of that shortened 60-game season. It was, all right, here's the, the news, here's the playoff matchups, here's what you can look out for. And then, oh, yeah, here's some of the really cool features and parts of Las Vegas Ballpark. So it started off kind of like that. And then uh, last year was a, a little bit different. And then this year we're doing it mainly as a, a homestand recap. I, I put together some highlight packages. Uh, you know, basically if you, if you miss the games and you want to see the highlights of the wins, it's a, a great way to kind of catch up and see see what went on, what's going on at the ballpark, not only on the field, but in our, our beautiful suite level here, a lot of events and giveaways that we're having. So it's just a great way to kind of promote uh, both the aviators on the field and Las Vegas ballpark off the field. Did your dad ever sit you down and say, Matt, I, I, I want to tell you about the days where you could not find every Major League Baseball game uh, on your phone or on on television. I mean, there was a day where we had to twist a transistor radio at night when everybody's powered down just to find <laughs> some game to listen to. And and not only are we in an era where you can watch anything at any time, but even when we were talking about minor league sports, uh, whether it's it's baseball or, or lower division uh, college football games or basketball games, I mean, you can find it anywhere. Did he ever talk to you about how lucky you are to be living in the time that you are? <laughs> for sure i mean it's something that, that we definitely talk about a lot just kind of with, with how involved i was at an early age and in, in helping him with his broadcast and just seeing how things uh you know used to be both technically and, and production wise and just how how far we've come and how much easier and, and cheaper it is to put on a, 
of, of production and just kind of able to add on all the all the bells and whistles as needed. And that's you know aside from just being able to find out all kinds of information and you know it's not just pulling open the the, the newspaper and seeing who did well. I mean you're you're watching real real time highlights. I mean the Aviators. Uh, t- taking on Albuquerque in, in just a couple of minutes, that came actually delayed by a, a sprinkler leak in Albuquerque. But once that gets going, you know you can follow you can follow every pitch, you can follow every every single pitch of every game at a, at any level. So just the, the the way that it has become now is is so cool and just so different and yeah, so technologically advanced, especially compared to how it used to be. Uh, faulty sprinkler system certainly was not a stranger to catchment field from time to time either. oh yeah but uh hey the aviators are, are 49 and 44 at this point they they trail reno by two and a half in the pcl west uh, they held the division lead for much of the year they're two and eight in their last 10 uh, what what is it right now that's just not going right for them you know a lot of it especially heading into the all-star break was the bats uh, a, a ton of strikeouts just an inordinate amount game to game to game and uh just situational hitting you know they would they would get a lot of runners on base and just not be able to to move them over do the little things to drive them in and the, the pitching has been solid and especially coming out of the all-star break same deal but just the, the bats i would say at, at this point and a, a couple of newcomers in cal stevenson who they acquired in the, the christian bethencourt deal from tampa uh he's been really good max schumann who was up at the end of last year starting to produce and you got some guys kind of under the radar of course shay langoliers the, the futures game mvp and has been off to a really hot start here in the second half with a couple of home runs in the, the four games since they got it back going. But Matt Davidson, who was acquired earlier in the year as a free agent, was uh, hot at the very, very beginning of the year with Reno, but it's kind of slowed down. He's been on a tear since the break ended. And one name, a sneaky guy in the outfield, who I think is going to get his first major league call this year, is Vince Fernandez. Uh, he plays both left and center. He's or left and right, rather. He's played some center field as well, but he really, really is an extra base hits machine. And I, I think he's a guy, really an under the cover or under the radar, rather, guy who has a really good opportunity for his first major league call up. Hasn't that been the issue all year, though, Matt? I mean, I, I remember, you know, sitting up there and watching games, and we watch the the you know April go by, and and the hitting was not just not there, which is. Uh, pitching has always carried this team. Was it just a matter of kind of the season caught up with a with a lack of big hits uh, at the right time? Uh, this has never been a team, re- regardless of you know you can go back to the fifty ones and the stars. I mean, <laughs> offense has never been a problem, but it seems like it's just kind of it's been a grind from an offensive standpoint this year. Yeah, and with the the focus on the home run ball across baseball, it's been a real down area for the Aviators this year. I mean, they're They've hit the second least amount of home runs in the league, which, you know, you just kept at the beginning part of the season saying to yourself, oh, when it heats up, the ball will travel. When the wind gets going out to Las Vegas ballpark, the ball will travel. And uh, that just hasn't been the case. Although if you look across the board at the Pacific Coast League, the offensive numbers are, are a bit stymied when you look at the historical, especially over the last two or three seasons since a couple of the new ballparks, including the one here in Summerlin, have opened up. The, the offensive numbers across the board are down. And remember, that was a big issue in Major League Baseball last year. With them, you know, maybe trying some new balls and trying some some new tack on the, on the balls itself. So, you know, I'm not necessarily suggesting that anything like that is going on at this level. But if you look at the numbers league wide, it's it, it's been down everywhere. How much did and you brought up uh, uh, Shay Lang- Langoliers a little bit earlier. How much did his stock rise? And I, I talked to some other people about him early in the season, and you know, their concern was, hey, look, no. No problem defensively. We just need to see him hit a little bit. Uh, but how has his evolution 
uh, got him to the point where he he's got to be in the foreground of uh, being a regular, despite the fact that there's a, a glut of catchers in Oakland. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's funny when you when you talk about a guy rising his stock because he was the highest rated prospect to change organizations in the offseason. He was sent over in the deal from Atlanta along with, with Christian Pache and a, and a couple of other guys from Matt Olson. So he was the, the highest prospect of any organization to, to switch teams last year. So he was about as highly ranked as it came. And he has immediately risen his stock. He's the number one prospect in the A system, came in at number three or four, depending on which, which service you put more stock in. And as you mentioned, Dana, his, his, off, or his defense, rather, major league ready, last year he was in double a last year and major league caliber pop times major league caliber you know throwouts at second base and the great glove work behind home plate but the offense this year actually really really starting to to come around to the level that a lot of people are expecting i mean heading into today 18 home runs which is the most out of anybody on the team 47 home runs same deal most of anybody that's been there all year and a a 277 average nothing to scoff at i mean 280 is a fantastic yeah (laughs) In, in, in a lot of ways and he also is is an everyday player. He they they keep his bat in the lineup as a DH. He's made more appearances for the Aviators than anybody else this year. So I mean he's he's checked off all the boxes: the the hitting, the hitting for power, the durability, playing every day. I mean I, I, it's not that far pressed to say that I, I really think that he has a legitimate shot to be the opening day starter behind home plate for Oakland next season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, as far as the ballpark is concerned, once again you're the top minor league ballpark. Uh, in the mm-hmm. country, I mean, what is it uh, outside of the fact that it's in Vegas and, you know, it's just a great setting? I mean, what is it about this ballpark that nobody else has been able to figure out? I mean, they, they do something right, something better than than most people in, in minor league baseball. Well, first and foremost, definitely thanks to those listening that, that voted. I mean, we, we could not have done it without you. It's the third time in the four-year history of this ballpark that uh, they've won this. It's the, the Ballpark Digest, best of the ballparks at the, the AAA level, and a, a lot of the credit goes to the management team, Don Logan and, and Chuck Johnson, guys who have been here and seen the evolution not only of, of baseball in Las Vegas, but it, turning it into a, an international sports town. I mean, it's, it's, it's well on its way to becoming the international mecca of, of sports and, and sporting events. Uh, and as, as far as the ballpark, you know I've been to you know, about as many ballparks as anyone could, could imagine uh, it's it's just it's by far the nicest in the minor leagues. It's nicer than a couple of big league parks I've been to in a lot of regards. I mean, you've got the biggest biggest LED video board in the minor leagues. It's bigger than three big league video boards. Uh, it's got the pool in right center field, which is great for groups of up to 25 people. It's got a great suite level up in the clubs that we you know host a ton of outside events. Everything from from weddings and, and celebrations and pretty much anything you can think of, we do here and. Just, I would say, the, the availability year-round as a, as a showcase for, you know, not only the ballpark, not only this beautiful Summerlin area, but just kind of the, the flexibility of what an, an event space like a ballpark can be. Yeah, and, of course, you won't mention it, but you're a major part of that because in addition to being the number two play-by-play announcer for the Aviators, you're also uh, part of the marketing and game entertainment uh, experience. So t- talk about that. I mean, I know you have a team behind you, but you're you're the guy at the top, so you have to take some of that credit as well. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's 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 what it's like in minor league baseball. I mean, it, it may feel like a major league experience if you come to a game here or you're involved with the front office in any way, but you know, at the end of the day, it is it is still a minor league team, and I think my experiences kind of coming up through minor league baseball individually have have kind of helped because you know. You're, you're part broadcaster, you're part marketer, you're part grounds crew, you're part uh, ticket sales. You, you, you fill in the blank. It's a really good experience at the minor league level 
to just be able to be involved in all kinds of different uh, assets of you know the game, the ballpark, the game presentation, which is a big area that that I like to focus on. So you know anybody that that would like to get a job in baseball and you've got major league aspirations, you absolutely have to go through the grind of the minor league schedule and uh, just you know the the events and everything else that that goes with it. But yeah, no, they we I, they we whoever it's a great group of people here uh, at, at Las Vegas Ballpark that really take a lot of pride in what they do, and I'm super super happy and lucky to be involved with that. Matt, do you ever uh, allow yourself to look at the Savannah Bananas and say, you know what, we're going to steal a couple things. Let's get some flaming bats. <laughs> it is funny. I mentioned Gary Arliss, our, our director of uh, game entertainment earlier, who's a big help with the catch. He oftentimes, when I go on the road or we're filling in for, for Russ Lang or somewhere, he'll go, he'll call me afterwards and go, all right, what do you like? What, 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 did, what did you like about their game presentation? What's something that we can poach? Savannah Bananas, though, are, are just so fun. My dad actually was with Bill Lee who is a big, big part of the Savannah Bananas and, uh, and their game day stuff this past weekend. So I was talking to him about uh, just some, some of the stories from the uh, the spaceman himself. But, yeah, Savannah Bananas, they, they do a great job. would love to steal some of their stuff. I don't know if we could pull off a, uh, a batter on stilts, though. That was, I think, my favorite that I that I'd seen. <laughs> yeah, they do have, and I, boy, it was driving me nuts because I, I can't remember his last name, which is no surprise because – um, I barely remember mine, uh, but I believe it's Zach uh, Froelich or uh, something like that. Now, Zach works for the Savannah Bananas, and he's been on the show before, uh, but the the uh, tie between him and Las Vegas is that Zach did an internship with UNLV Hockey as well, and then he went on to Savannah to, to work there. Uh, but so there is a Las Vegas tie, uh, and if you look up Zach, uh, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll he'll give you some some pointers on how to actually get people on stilts. And I, I don't know, I, I guess, Matt, isn't it like one of the teams is kind of like the, the equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters and the other one is a real team? Is that kind of the way it works yeah i know they i know they have like a a, a show team and then like an actual go out and, and play ball team and i think i think some of the funnier things that i've seen are when they're when they're doing their their show team and it's like their their version of the washington generals but they've got uh you know sleeveless jerseys i've seen a guy uh who walking up with a bat on fire for for that bat he yep. just, took an actual swing on the first pitch with it so i think some of that stuff allows you to really and hit a really line have drive fun <laughs> yeah, okay, good good for that guy. It's like, uh, what is it, MLB Blitz or whatever that old game was. But, yeah, it gives you a chance to uh, kind of be the villain, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're talking to Matt Neverett, the uh, number two voice there for the Aviators and, of course, for UNLV Baseball. What, what have you learned uh, the most from Russ Langer, and, and what have you taken from him? And, of course, uh, your your dad, Tim, has given you a terrific head start, or, or not a head start, but, I mean, you, you've got somebody to lean on as far as knowledge and information and, you know, somebody that's there when you you're not, you not don't think you had a great broadcast and he can give you some pointers on how to handle that. But then you go and, and you deal with a professional like Russ Langer and you're like, oh, okay, this opens up a brand-new door of knowledge. What has he given you that, that you take to work every day? Like, like, like you said, as nice as it is uh, to have my dad to kind of lean on and and offer up advice. I like taking advice from people who don't have my same last name as well, so that's always right. a, a good one. No, but Russ is great as far as consistency, just day in, day out, knowing what needs to get done you know, you know, before the broadcast afterwards. And he, he's really, really valuable, I would say, in, in his experiences, not only in baseball, but in the, the Pacific Coast League especially. You know, he's, he, knows, he knows all the ballparks. He knows all the announcers. But not only that, he knows all the, the front office folks. He 
He often will tell me when I go on the road to help him out, hey, you know, here's so-and-so. They're involved in marketing. They're going to be a really good resource for you this week. And just I, I would say just the, the ability to, to help out in that regard is an area where he's been super, super helpful to me. And just, you know, bouncing ideas off of him as far as, hey, you know, did, did the way that I said this make sense or is this phrasing correct or, you know, historically is this how this has been done? So, you know, it's really, really good to have a, a, a great perspective like that. And I, I want to give it a, a shout-out as well to um, – Another longtime mentor of mine, Kurt Bloom, who was with the Birmingham Barons for a lot, forever and ever and ever, and uh, that's where I made my you know professional debut in baseball right out of college was with him in Birmingham, and he was a really big help to me. He just made his major league debut, did a game for the White Sox uh, last week uh, at, at Guaranteed Rate Field, and that was a long, long time coming for for Kurt Bloom. So I definitely wanted to give him a shout out as well. And. You know, for, I mean, listen, I've been a huge supporter of uh, Russ for a long time. I think he should find his way to the, the major leagues. I, I have no idea what, why that has not happened at this point. Uh, he is everything you could want in a professional broadcaster. But um, I, I, I guess for me, it's do, do you ever have those types of questions where he says, he look, or those type of conversations where he said, hey, look, you know, I would have done this differently. Don't 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 do that. And and I think for Russ and and I don't know him like we don't hang. But this is my perception of him. He's not a guy that's going to go out and toot his own horn. He's not a guy that's going to you know try to be friends because he thinks there's a benefit on the other end. I think he's a guy that just lets things happen organically through his work. And, And I know that you know perhaps maybe that that ability that lack of ability to go out and toot his own horn has maybe has hurt him in some ways uh, does he ever talk about that or is is he just comfortable where he's at and, and the aspirations are you know maybe not what they used to be i mean he definitely is is comfortable where where he's at uh, no no doubt about it he's earned every 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 right of that you know, he'll have, he'll have we'll have conversations where he says, you know, maybe maybe this would have happened differently if A, B, and C happened, but it's never in a in a, mm-hmm. a regretful tone. I mean, he is as as consummate a, a professional as you can get, and he's been a really really good resource for me. Yeah, and I just uh, and I don't mean that he doesn't have aspirations that that came out yeah. wrong. See, I got to lean on Russ and talk to him about my phrasing. Well, I just mean <laughs> you know it's you know like anything else when you're when you're talking to your child, even though you're very comfortable in the way that. Uh, that you're doing things and not that you're his child but when I'm talking to mine I want to pass down these little nuances that hopefully they can steer clear of to to get to their ultimate goal as quickly as possible I guess that's kind of what I meant and yeah what a what a great guy to lean on and and I'm assuming that he's also a guy that doesn't hold anything back he really wants to see you succeed absolutely you know that's that's been a, a really good uh you know part of it this year is that you know he knows I, I told him day one i said i'm not here to here to do anything except for advance our productions and, and, and make you sound better so I, we were you know we, we had a good relationship before we have an even better working relationship now but you know i think as far as the major league level goes it just shows how how hard it is to get those positions it's not like you know if you want to be an accountant you can go anywhere in the in the country or the world to be an accountant if you want to be a major league baseball broadcaster a certain you know se- sequence of events has to happen there has to be a job opened up and it's got to be right time, right place for a lot of people. So I think it just goes to show how, how tough those jobs are to get. Well, Matt, we always appreciate you coming on. The Aviators will have a few more shots at Reno starting the first week of August, second through the seventh at the ballpark. And I think they have like 18 more games against the Aces. So 
Two and a half games is nothing with all those head-to-head matchups still ahead. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, tell everybody about the next homestand at the ballpark and uh, uh, tell everybody, I guess, tell everybody how many more uh, dates that they have and opportunities to see the team. Definitely. Uh, August 2nd through the 7th, Reno coming to town, Reyes de Plata bobblehead giveaway on Tuesday, backpack giveaway on Friday. Saturday is going to be a really fun game as well. Uh, plenty of home games in August, 15 in total with another 12 in September. Uh, get your tickets now, aviatorslv.com or the lvballpark.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. We appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Love coming on with you guys. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos will join the show. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. 
STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Hi, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. What are we listening to? What is it? It's got that. Uh, it's got that Black Sabbath bass line. I will miss the music. All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. Let's bring in the gatekeeper of the STN app from Station Casinos, Mr. Chuck Esposito. Thank you. And Chuck, I, I apologize because when we set up this this date and I wanted to get you on because obviously it's the last few shows, but I didn't know you were on vacation already, so I, I apologize for that. How's vacation going so far? It's great, Dana. No problem whatsoever. Always enjoy jumping on with you. It's kind of the, the first day, so uh, still uh, still catching up on a few things, but uh, but all good. Um, you know, with music kind of dialing it in, it, it sounded a little bit to me like the theme from Shaft, but that's just an educated guess. So, but uh, always happy to jump on with you. <laughs> I could definitely see that for sure. I had, man, I I was a product of TV. My parents didn't want anything to do with parenting, so they stuck me in front of Starsky and Hutch for an hour. So that that's <laughs> love that. That's me how, too. That's how we <laughs> I grew up. Hey, before we get into sports, and this is going to be the last time that we have you on the air, unfortunately. Um, you know, just I want you to talk about. I want everybody to know exactly what Station Casinos did to ensure that this show. Uh, continued in Brian's name. It was very important to me that you know we got this back on the air after uh, his surprise uh, passing, and, and you guys really stepped up. And I and I I think sometimes people think, well, you just you know you say things because they sponsor you, and but the reality is, I, I'm to the point now where I don't have to say anything. It's just I, I just feel compelled to let people know that you guys stepped up in a big way when. The reality is not not many nobody else did, and so I think that I think people should know that about you. I think they should know that about your staff, and I think they should know that about Station Casinos. I, I appreciate that, Dana. I, I think the big part was that um, Brian was was more than just you know a, a radio host. I think he had become such a a friend of Station Casinos, uh, such an ambassador for everything that, that we did. And I know that he shared with that, uh, with the whole industry, that, you know, a lot of the uh, bookmaking operators felt that way. But there was just such a special bond that, you know, we, we kicked off our draft parties, our seminars. Um, I had, you know, just joined Station Casinos, uh, and that he had been with us for such a long time. 
um, and it was at Sunset Station and started doing these events, and Brian was a big part of it. And, um, you know, we just felt it was so important to, to keep that going. Uh, Brian uh, was a very dear friend of mine. I, I miss him every day, you know, when I, mm-hmm. when I hear the commercials and his voice on there, you think he's going to jump on the air. I'm so fortunate that I can still chat with uh, Marie, and, and we, you know, truly love her and appreciate her as well. Um, but I think Brian was just so much more to us, and we were honored to be able to keep the show going, sponsor it, um, and, and really have some fun with it uh, with you um, for the last uh, six or seven months. Yeah, I mean, I want also, too, to give you the floor uh, as far as anything. You know, I mean, this is going to be the last thing, so promote anything coming up. I, I kind of want to give it to you to talk about exactly uh, maybe even start off with what the philosophy is of station casinos because I, I, I see the commercials and I see you know the taglines of you know being very friendly towards locals and I think to myself well, I think that is true and I'll I'm a hundred percent honest with everything that comes out of my mouth sometimes to a fault but I don't go into casinos very much it, it's just not my thing but I go into Red Rock all the time because i enjoy the accessibility i like the restaurants i like the sports book i love the movie theater i i love the rest uh, the, the the quick restaurants where you can get something to eat and go in and see a movie i mean that really is my favorite casino and i i am not saying that so i'm, I'm thankful we had a relationship but just kind of talk about the philosophy of station casinos and your sports book and and all the things that are coming up that you want to get out there so people know what's happening First, I, I truly appreciate that, um, Dana. Um, I, I think from from our end, we want to do everything that that we always can, and I'm happy to talk, you know, more sports with you today. Um, you know, and dive into what's going on in the world of sports. But but briefly, I I think you know, from me at least, and in my experiences and the time that I've spent with um with station casinos, is that we want to give our guests and an unbelievable experience um, at every turn. If it's, you know, the, the room offering, uh, the food and beverage offerings, uh, the casino, uh, the race and sports book, the entire gaming floor, uh, entertainment, um, all the amenities, and it's it cheers where you walk in and, and we clearly know your name and you know our name. And I think that's the, the fun of it for me is spending so many years um, on the strip and then having an opportunity um, to join station casinos is the relationships that, um, I was able to build, um, and I've been with the company for over 10 years now, and a lot of that was at Sunset prior to, to coming over to Red Rock, but there is still a, a abundance of Sunset guests that, that text me and email me and come visit me all the way up at Red Rock, and I truly value that, and, I, and the new guests um, and, and friends that I've made um, in my uh, little over a year at Red Rock, I value that as well, and I think that's a big part of not just me, but I think everyone in our company uh, has that same philosophy and grasp of how important that is. And we love the, um, you know, the, the local element that we feel we do a tremendous job of catering to those guests and, and just giving them, again, an unbelievable experience that we hope that they'll always remember that they want to bring their friends and family out and truly can't get anyplace else. Yeah, and I'll get to sports in one second, but I do want to point this out. I've been in this town almost 30 years, 30 years next month, and I've been in every book that you can you know, name. And the one way that I measure a book's worth, and it doesn't have to be the most glamorous because that has nothing to do with the actual people working there, the one way that I measure a book's worth is the friendliness of the writers, their ability to look in the eye when you walk up to them and ask them a question. And hands down, you have the best staff that – 
I've ever been around. And that's an absolute fact. I, again, really appreciate that. And I think it's just stuff that we discuss and, and preach. And, we, you know, we want our team members to enjoy their jobs as well and, and have fun. And I, I think that that um, uh, resonates with the guests, that when they see team members that are happy and, and smiling and enjoying what they do, it, it makes that relationship that much stronger and that much more comfortable and the experience so much more better, or so much better, I should say, uh, for our guests. So I really appreciate all, all the kind words, and you know, uh, and we love it when guests come up and you know want to talk to us and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of have fun about what's going on in the world of sports and what's going on at our properties and the casino and entertainment. Um, so it, it's kind of a win-win, I think, for everybody. All right, let's get to sports. Uh, Julio Jones going to Tampa Bay. What kind of impression did that make as far as their their future odds are concerned? Did it move it at all? Uh, did it affect anybody else? You know, I think it's a really positive thing. Uh, Julio hasn't had a great run over the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think everybody thought um, in, in Tennessee it would be a much different uh, story. Um, with the uncertainty of, of Chris Godwin, um, you know, uh, Mike Evans has been injury-prone as well. I really like the signing of Russell Gage. I was surprised that Atlanta – um, let him get away. I thought he kind of assumed that number one wideout role last year um, after the the Ridley suspension. Um, but I think it's a good signing. I really do for uh, for Tampa. It just gives them another weapon. He's a guy that hasn't won a, a Super Bowl yet, and here he's playing with Tom Brady. So when you talk about you know Julio Jones being another target, um, and he hasn't been a huge red zone target. He never was with Atlanta. For whatever reason, um, he never put up those big touchdown numbers that other guys did who were, uh, you know, Hall of Fame caliber wideouts. And, and I think he gives uh, Tom Brady, without Gronk now, another big target in the end zone or in the red zone, I should say. So I think it's a real positive signing. I, I don't see um, any way that Tampa loses that division. We, we know that Carolina and Atlanta have a lot of question marks. Um, I think the Saints will be better. Uh, you know, I, I love some of the moves that they made in the offseason, the Jarvis Landry, adding Chris Olave in the draft. Um, even if um, Kamara is suspended, I think they're fine with Ingram. Uh, you have to hope that Jameis Winston is healthy. Um, and, and he's, you know, he had put up some good numbers before his injury last year. That defense is lights out. The signing of Matthew in the offseason, I think, is uh, was one of the best signings. But I just don't see any way Tampa loses um, uh, the NFC South. Uh, so I think it's a positive signing, and I think it just makes that offense that much better. And I think it's a quasi-replacement a little bit uh, for Gronk in the red zone, in my opinion. And then, of course, yesterday, uh, what a difference a year makes. Uh, a year ago, Aaron Rodgers was uh, wondering where he was going to play and uh, trying to get the best deal possible. And then this year we see him walking in slow motion and looking like Nicolas Cage as he walks into camp. <laughs> I mean, uh, do, do, uh, what do you take of that? Because, you know, it's funny, Chuck. When I see something like that, I wonder, you know, what what was the goal when you left the house? I mean, it was it. Hey, look, I know every camera is going to be on me. Uh, I'm going to get my, you know, favorite uh, white underwear short shirt with my tightest jeans I can find, and I'm going to walk slowly into camp. I mean, does that tell you this is a man on a mission, or is this uh, telling you that he just kind of wants to send a message that you know he he's focused this season? You know, it's hard to say in Rodgers' case. I mean, there's no question he's one of the best quarterbacks in football, one of the best quarterbacks ever. He's a Hall of Famer. Bottom line is he's won the same amount of NFC championship games as Rex Grossman. So, you know, he demanded the big contract. He got it. I think at at that expense, it kind of cost them Devontae Adams. Uh, You look at Brady, who was never the highest-paid quarterback 
Um, you know, and, and I think he, he understood the importance of building that team around him. I think there's a lot more pressure right now on Rodgers. I, I think, you know, for his career, he needs to win another Super Bowl. And, um, you know, he, he might do it. You know, he, he has the swagger. He's got the talent. Um, hasn't played well in the playoffs over the last few years. Um, and I guess only time will tell. But right now, um, you know, he can walk the walk and talk the talk. But, again, he's got the same amount of championship wins in the NFC as Rex Grossman and the same amount of Super Bowls as, as, as Trent Dilfer. So, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's up to him, I guess, now um, to prove that, uh, you know, he was worth that big contract. And, uh, you know, that's not coming from a bitter Bears fan at all because I know that he, he kicked the living, you know what. I didn't bring it up, Chuck. You year. brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can hear it in my voice. So after I got bitter. going, I knew that. Oh, that's a, this is a bad Bears fan ragging on, on Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, there's no question he's a great quarterback. But, um, but I do think there's some added pressure on him with that big contract, again, um, to perform in the postseason. I mean, you made a Rex Grossman reference already. You – uh, you know, said you weren't bitter, and, and I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Rogers walked in and he just said, "You know what? I'm a little ticked. I am not the host of Jeopardy, and I, I'm going to go and take it out on the rest of the teams in my division." I, I don't know. Talk about the Bears too. I mean, we obviously we have a large contingent of, of Bears fans in this in this town. I mean, what what's a reasonable expectation in your mind for the Bears? I guess just to show progress, you know, yeah. with uh, with um, uh, with a new um, GM and Ryan Pohl and uh, a new coach, Coach Everfluss, uh, you know, and we know that they parted ways with, with guys like Khalil Mack that might happen with, with Quinn um, and Jackson as well. Um, you know, I guess it's to show some progress, especially out of Justin Fields. Um, I thought they had a fairly decent draft. Um, really, I think, helped that secondary a lot. You've got Montgomery and Mooney, some young skill position players. Did they surround Fields with enough? Um, they are projected right now to have more money than anybody else, I think close to $110 million or more available to them to spend in free agency next year. So I'm not expecting a lot. I guess it's just some progress right now. I think you know it's not going to stun me if they finish last in the NFC North. Um, Detroit, I think, has gotten a little bit better. I like some of the moves that they've made. For me, I think there's some value with Minnesota, though, in that division. You know, I like um, a new coach there in O'Donnell. I like that the philosophy is changing, not just from a run-heavy team that Zimmer had with Cook, but a, but a kind of more balanced attack. And you look at that skill position players of Thielen and, and Jefferson, um, uh, you, you know, and Herb Smith and Osborne and Cook, They've got some weapons now around Kirk Cousins. I think Cousins could have one of his his best years. But then again, still is Kirk Cousins. Um, but I think there's definitely some value on Minnesota uh, right behind Green Bay, and I think they're a serious contender uh, for the NFC North, in my opinion. And we're talking to Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos and jumping on over to baseball. Do you, we have four early games today. Do, do you like when the games are spread out like this, or would you rather uh, them be pushed back you know, at least until that 4 o'clock hour where you can get the maximum amount of, of, of bets on all the games? No, I actually like it. You know, I, I like when there's games throughout the course of the day, and I think, you know, many cases we get that in baseball, um, and I think it's great. You know, it, it kind of just gives you some action throughout the course of the day. There's early games, kind of middle of the day and late games. Um, I think the big thing with baseball right now is that we are getting closer and closer to that August 2nd trade deadline, mm -hmm. and there are some big-name guys. You know, it's not just Soto, um, Castillo from Cincinnati, Contreras from the Cubs, um, to name a few. There's a lot of potential movement um, that's going to occur and maybe some blockbusters. Um, so I, I think between now and the second, um, anxious to see who's kind of going to step up. I think we have a clear idea of kind of who the sellers are. 
Um, but, you know, some of these buyers, what are they willing to give up in what might be some sort of a bidding war um, for some of these guys? So I think it's uh, – I love day baseball. I love going to day baseball games. Mm-hmm. But I think the trade deadline looming right now is a big thing over baseball as we get closer and closer to August 2nd. And we're about, what, eight days away, a week away from uh, the Raiders and the Jaguars kicking off at the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. Do, do you like uh, – and I remember – uh, back in the day, and I don't know why it just kind of struck me this year that the game was played on Thursday, and I, and then I thought, wow, I, it's been a while since it's been it's been played on a weekend. I think the last time it wasn't played on a Thursday was on a Sunday night, uh, but that was years ago. I mean, would you rather these games uh, be played on a weekend, or does it really matter for handle? I don't, I don't think it matters for the first game. I think the fact that it's the Raiders um, on that Thursday night, you're going to have a huge handle. I mean, anytime it's been Raiders nights, Aces. Um, you know, NASCAR events that are in Vegas, the UFC prize fights, anything that's occurring out here, you always see a, a, a serious uptick with our teams or out here. And I think, you know, knowing that this is the Raiders, um, you know, and then they play the following week, the only Sunday game. I think they host maybe Minnesota in the first full week of preseason. Um, I can tell you both those two games are going to have huge handles because they involve the Raiders. Well, Chuck, we appreciate you having having you on, buddy. We're up uh, against the top of the hour. Uh, just tell everybody once again what's going on. Tell everybody about the contest, too. I mean, everybody cannot wait to get involved in your contest at uh, Station Casinos. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Uh, Last Man Standing, it's, a, it's kind of been our signature contest uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, the college football last man standing, the pro football last man standing. College, we guarantee 100,000, pro 150. I think the key is that it, it's, you're able to get into these contests for a very small entry fee. $25 gets you one entry, 100 for four gets you a fifth kind of bonus entry. So you, for $100, you can have five entries into, into either one of these two contests. Um, and they're fun. You pick five games against uh, our contest line. You win and you move on. You lose and you, you're you out for that particular card. But um, it, it's really received well by the guests. It's, it's highly competitive. And, again, I think the, the low entry fee really is what you know kind of captures. You're giving a lot of people an opportunity um, to get in it. We'll be taking applications at all of our properties starting on August 1st. Uh, Chuck, thank you so much for everything. Uh, that you've done for the show and of course uh, Brian and Marie Blessing and uh, I wish you nothing but the best and and hopefully our paths will cross on the air uh, at some point coming up. Uh, Thanks. I really appreciate it, Dana. You did an awesome job. Uh, The tribute to Brian and and picking up his show was a tremendous honor. Uh, Always appreciate being on with you. You're a true professional, um, a good friend, and uh, look forward to some good stuff in the future, my friend. Uh, Stay well, and uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate that, buddy. I hope you have a great vacation. Now get away from sports and spend time (laughs) with the family. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there he goes, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos. That about does it for uh, Sportsbook Radio today. Of course, we want to thank Matt Neverett for coming on from uh, UNLV and the Aviators. And uh, good, great show coming coming up in the next couple of days. And, of course, Friday is going to culminate with uh, having Stevie Slapshot back in, in the studio. And we'll probably just spend two hours talking about Brian, which is exactly the way that I want it. But uh, thank you for Matt, to Matt Neverett. And, of course, thank you to Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com, who's been a tremendous host help this uh, whole time and of course you know the great chuck esposito because without him and station casinos uh, this show would have uh, never happened so thank you so much for joining us on sportsbook radio and vegas hockey hotline tomorrow maybe we'll 
talk some hockey in the hockey hour. Thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon.